Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, good morning, everybody. We're doing a mini-series right now called I Am Bayshore, and it's a series about our vision what we're about, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish. And so for the next couple of weeks, the next three weeks, actually, we'll be talking about our vision, what we are, and uh, where, what, we're, what we're about and what our values are at Bayshore. I heard a number of years ago about a, a guy from New York uh, State that was hiking in the Smoky Mountains. He was up in the Smoky Mountains. He was hiking, and he came across this cabin. There was this hillbilly sitting on the front of this cabin, and uh, the hiker saw the hillbilly, and he noticed around the cabin there were trees that had targets painted on them, and in the middle, in the bullseye of every target was a bullet right in the middle. And so the uh, hiker said to the hillbilly, he said, wow, that's amazing. You are quite a marksman. How did you get to be such a great shot? How did you uh, hone that skill so amazingly? And he said, well, it's pretty simple. What I do is I shoot the tree and then I paint the target around the bullet. Now, I think a lot of times, you know, we go at life that way. We go at ministry that way. We go at our businesses that way. We don't know what the target is. We don't know what we're shooting at. So we just kind of go through our life and do our thing and not really aim. And we've got to aim. We've got to have a specific target. So I want to talk the next couple of weeks about what is the specific target of Bayshore? What are we trying to do? What, is our comp- what, what are the things that we're trying to accomplish? And that will help you to know if you're in the right church. I, I think many times people wonder, you know, do I line up with the vision of the church? And, and I know that you're going to find a great residency with this and you're going to be excited about it. Now, um, the first thing we want to talk about, this is something that I'm passionate about. This is not the only thing, but this is one of the main values of Bayshore. If you start coming to Bayshore, you're going to notice that this is a value. And that is the value of understanding the Bible. What is the Bible about? We have, this is one of our primary goals, to teach the Bible so that people can know Jesus deeply and their lives can be changed. To teach the Bible so people can know Jesus deeply and their lives can be changed. Now, I'm passionate about the Bible. I'm really, really passionate about the Bible. The Bible is the most important book that we have at Bayshore. It's the most important book that we have at Bayshore. So I want you to know that you're in a church that that really, really loves the Bible and believes in the Bible. Now, I'm really concerned because I know a lot of people... A lot of people aren't reading the Bible anymore. Not just simply people that are outside of the church, but people that are inside of the church. In fact, people aren't reading anything anymore. Have you noticed that? We've become a very tablet-oriented kind of society, and people aren't reading. I read a study that said that about uh, only one in four, about one in four people, one in four people haven't picked up a book in the last year. That's about 25% of people who never have picked up a book in the last year. They're not reading. I'm really concerned about 
uh, our kids that aren't reading anymore. I talked to my little granddaughter, Willow. She's so, uh, such a bright uh, kid, and I talked about reading, and she loves the tablets and all that and all the games and all that. But I'm really coaching her to be a reader because reading is very important. Literacy is very important. I was at, uh, uh, at the uh, Toyota place the other day getting my uh, truck worked on, my Tacoma pickup. And I, I firmly believe that if Jesus were on earth today, he would be driving a Tacoma pickup. I believe that. But I was sitting there, and I uh, had about an hour to wait for my truck. And I'm sitting there. There's about a dozen people in the waiting room with me. And I had my backpack. And I said, uh, you know, I had my backpack, I had my, uh, my books and my iPad and my computer and all that. So I sit down. And so I looked at it as a great opportunity to read and to study a little bit. And I looked around that room, about 12 to 15 people, and nobody was reading. They were just sitting there staring into space. Nobody knew each other. And they're sitting a few seats apart from each other. And they're just staring. And that's unfathomable to me. I can't imagine that you would spend a whole hour just staring when you have the opportunity to learn something. To learn something. And I just, I, I mean, I'm, what, you know how old I am now. I'm 61 years old. And I just have a passion to learn. I'm recently listening to uh, Walter Isaacson who wrote a, a, a biography on uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And you know we have 7,000 pages of Leonardo da Vinci's uh, notes about things that he was learning. And he would make lists up every day of things that he wanted to learn. And so uh, one day he wrote a list. He wanted to know why the sky was blue, and he wanted to understand what the tongue of a woodpecker was like. I thought, what curiosity to want to learn. And I think of all the people on the earth that should be passionate about learning. It should be Christians that want to learn. So we're not reading. We're not reading. People aren't reading. I hope that this year in 2019, you're going to read some good books. Now, here's another reason you should read. Another reason, reason you should read. There is a brand new study out from Yale University that is out, and they did uh, a study of 3,655 people. They studied these people for 12 years, and they have discovered by this, uh, by this research that people that read regularly live two years longer than people who don't read. There's something about keeping your mind active. There's something about learning. Now, I think uh, Karen, I told Karen that study, and she said, well, you're going to live forever then. <laughs> you know, it's important to read, but we're not reading the Bible either. We're not reading the Bible. Uh, not, not, again, I'm not talking about people on the outside of the church. I'm talking about people inside of the church. We're not reading the Bible. Here, let me put this little graph on here about how, we, how we're doing reading the Bible. How's our Bible reading? Only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. Uh, 45% of those who regularly attend, how many are regular attenders at church? You regularly attend, you're always here. Man, some of you guys, you never miss. I can look, I can look at what section, there you are, you're there every week. But this study says only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. More than once a week. Over 40% of those people attending read their Bible occasionally maybe once or twice a month. Now, these are regular church attenders. And then uh, almost one in five churchgoers, that's 20%, 
One in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. They never read the Bible. So we have, uh, in that same, same figure applies to people that uh, there's only one in five people that are here today, more than likely, according to this study, only one in five people read the Bible every single day. So I have a passion to re- reignite a passion for reading God's Word, for reading God's Word, because God's Word is absolutely essential for our lives to be changed. Now, if we're not reading God's Word, if we're not reading the Bible, if church people aren't reading the, the Bible, and here's another, while I'm hammering on this, here's another thing I have that I want to say to my podcast listeners, I want to say to my Facebook community, I want to say to my, my, my contemporaries, my pastor friends, my, my colleagues in ministry, we are not preaching the Bible anymore. Churches aren't preaching the Bible anymore. Churches are giving motivational speeches, speeches, and they're sprinkling a few scriptures in there that are taken out of context. And so one of the reasons there's such ignorance in the church about the Bible is the church itself has drifted away from preaching scripture. And back in the Reformation, Martin Luther, 1517, and the whole change of the church, it was sola scripta. The Bible is primary, and we should preach the Bible. So that's one of the things that's, that's going to happen. And so I, when I look at what I'm doing these days in my preaching and teaching God's Word, one of the things I'm saying to myself, does this sermon, does this talk, does this message rest on the Bible? Or could I take the Bible away and it would still stand? If my message doesn't have the Bible as its foundation and Jesus is not the superstar of that message, that is not a good sermon. You can listen to sermons today that Jesus is never mentioned, the Bible isn't preached, and uh, I'm all about contemporary stuff. I am a contemporary guy, but here's, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how contemporary we, where we, how contemporary we are, we need to preach the Bible because there's power in Scripture and there's power in the Word of God. Can you say a big amen? <clears throat> so let's, let's look at what we don't know about the Bible. Here's this is interesting, things that we don't know about the Bible. Because we're not reading the Bible, there's a number of things that we don't know. Listen to this. Fewer than half of adults can name the four Gospels. If you asked, if you went on the street, uh, if we did an interview, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Fewer than half of the people in America can name Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many knew that? You knew that one. Raise your hand. That's good. More than half of Americans can't name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. So these are basic, fundamental facts in the Bible. It says that more, um, many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, 60% of Americans... This is, not, this is not some communist country. This is America. This is the freedom of religion country. 60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. So what's happening in, in the church and what's happening in culture, we're drifting, we're becoming biblically illiterate. And these studies indicate by 2040, by, 20 in a, by 2040 in America... Uh, 
less than two-thirds of the people in America will have any significant connection or, or understanding of the Bible. So that's, that's an interesting thing. Here's, 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 one, here's really an interesting one. I've seen this happen in real life. 82% of Americans believe that the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. 82% of Americans believe that is the most quoted scripture that's not a scripture. 82% of people say that the Bible says God helps those that help themselves. I was working with a guy one time when I was living in Florida. And I was, uh, it was a construction job I was working. And we were just talking. He knew I was a Bible college student. He said, he said, uh, he said you know, my favorite verse of Scripture is God helps those that help themselves. And I was a theological student. I knew that wasn't in the Bible. So I was nice to him. He said, you know, I said, you know what? You know, I don't think that's really in the Bible. Oh, it's in the Bible. I'll tell you, it is in the Bible. And I wanted to say, well, you go home and bring it back tomorrow, and we'll look at it. We'll study it. But I wasn't going to be, you know, snarly there or so about that. But, you know, you know who said that? God helps them and helps themselves. Who, how many know who said that? That was Benjamin Franklin that said that. That's in Poor Richard's Almanac. So say this with me. Let's at least learn this today. I know we can learn this. Say this with me. The, in the Bible, it does not say God helps them that helps themselves. In fact, the Bible says we've got to have God's help. God's got to help us, and we've got to lean on him completely. Trust in the Lord with all the heart and lean not on the understanding. So that's an interesting thing there. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. Barna poll, Barna, Barna, they do all these researches on church stuff and what's happening in the church world and all that. Barna says 12% of adults in America believe that Jonah Ark was Noah's wife. <laughs> that is seriously scary, isn't it? 12% of Americans think that Jonah Ark was, was Noah's wife. This is funny. If it wasn't so sad, you know, Jonah Ark, she was the great... Uh, the great prophetic leader for France during the Hundred Year War. I had to look that up. Anyhow, so anyhow, just, if I sound really smart, it's because I looked that up. Aren't you thankful for uh, Wikipedia? Are, are you thankful for that? How about that? Makes you look smarter than you really are. Okay, so another survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. They thought they were husband and wife. A considerable number of respondents, according to this poll, believe that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. Now, it, you, when you look at these things, I mean, in, in, in fact, America is, and this is absolutely, I can tell you, listening to people. I'm, I have lunch with people. I have lunch with people that are uh, evangelical Christians, go to evangelical churches, and I listen to some of the things I say, and I can tell that their biblical understanding is deficient. And their theological understanding is deficient. They'll sometimes say things that they think is absolutely theologically correct, and it is not. It is not. And uh, here's, what, here's what's happening in Britain. Britain, of course, Great Britain is much more liberal than America. And church attendance in Great Britain, you know, in Europe in general, church attendance around 6, and se- six or 7%. America still has church attendance, you know, pushing up against 50%. A lot of people go to church about once or twice a month, most, mostly in, in statistics now in America. But uh, in Great Britain, you know, it's really, really slipping. The biblical literacy is really strong there. Uh, and here's what it says. It, they just asked children 
in Great Britain about Bible facts, and they found out that one in three uh, couldn't choose the nativity, the Christmas story, as being part of the Bible. 59% didn't know the story about Jonah being swallowed by the great fish. And British parents, it says, didn't do much better. Around 30% of British parents don't know Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, or the Good Samaritan are in the Bible. To make matters worse, uh, British parents, 27% think that Superman is or might be a biblical story. And then the same was said about Harry Potter, and also 54% of British adults believe that the Hunger Games might be a story in the Bible. So what I'm seeing is we have this, this drift away from knowing the Bible, what the Bible says. So my passion as your pastor is to spend the rest of my ministry preaching the Word in a relevant way, a clear way, a way that's applicable to your life, but to make sure that we preach the Bible so you understand the Bible. What I want to do is preach the Bible in such a way so when you go home and have your devotions that you can navigate your way through Galilee and you know a little bit about the background of the Bible so you can read the Bible for yourself. A great church is not a church just where the pastor preaches the Bible. A great church is a church where people go home and they read the Bible for themselves. And that's important, important context. I remember when my, uh, when my family first uh, became Christians, my dad became a Christian first and then uh, we all followed suit. I was about, uh, I think, about 12 years old when, our, when I put my faith in the Lord and my dad became a Christian. We were good Methodists. We went to the church, you know, uh, we were C&E Christians, Christian, Christmas and Easter Christians. And then you've heard the story about my dad was asked to teach a Sunday school class. He read the Bible, and when he read the Bible, his heart was changed and became a Christian. And so my dad became a Christian. We didn't know anything about the Bible. We didn't know anything about the Bible. So the first Christmas that we were a Christian, that, that our family was Christian, and my dad led the way, uh, the little Methodist church we went to, there were just maybe 50 people there. They had a, a big uh, uh, cedar Christmas tree on the stage, and it was such a small church that at Christmas time they gave out presents to uh, people in the congregation. So it's kind of odd. They preached about Jesus and Santa Claus claiming and gave the gifts out. It was interesting, but it was, it was okay. So... Uh, so they call my dad's name that there was a gift under the tree for him. He goes up to the tree and uh, they hand him a box and he opens the box. And inside of the box is a Thompson chain reference Bible. Now that used to be the reference Bible back in the 70s and 80s. And it was a leather bound, had my dad's name on it. To this day, we don't know who gave my dad that Bible. He was a new Christian. And he had, a, he had a little Bible uh, that was a good news for a modern man. And now he had this, this, this study Bible that had footnotes that told him, you know, different facts about the chapter he was reading, had a little introduction to every book in the Bible. And my dad started reading that study Bible, and he read it until it fell apart because he wanted to understand the Bible. Now, here's, here's something I want to say to you. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible... There are free Bibles in the uh, foyer. When you leave today, if you came without a Bible and you don't have a Bible, and here's what I champion for for our church. I say, listen, do not get a Bible that has little tiny font in it. You know, because we had a few of those little tiny font. I, I mean, I can't. People don't like to read to start with. You get a little font, you're a goner. So I tell the staff, I say, listen, do not 
ever order Bible little font. It's just, you might as well throw it in the trash can. And so we got the biggest font you can get in a paperback Bible. It's a big font. So this is free today. If you don't have a Bible, you're not stealing. You go get that Bible and take it home and start reading it. Where do you start reading? You start reading the book of Mark. You don't read John first, John, the Gospel of John. That is a, like the hardest gospel to read. Read Mark, read Acts, and after you get done with Acts, go, go through Romans and Galatians, and then start reading Paul's epistles, and then come back and catch Matthew. So that's an important thing. So here, but my dad got that study Bible. Now, if you are a Christ follower, and you've been a Christ follower for a while, and you got a Bible, but you're not reading it, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to get a study Bible. Like my dad, my Thompson Chain study Bible. Now, study Bibles are like, everybody's got a study Bible. NIV's study Bible is good. I use, I use this every week. I use, this is called the Spirit Life Bible, and it's got footnotes. If I don't understand something about a chapter, I don't know where Capernaum is, or if I don't know where, you know, who, who in the world is Bartholomew? Well, Bartholomew is Nathaniel, just a different name. I got to know, I'm, what, what the world, who is this new guy in the disciples? So you read the footnotes, and here's how you read the Bible. You read the Bible like you should eat. You eat slow. Read a couple chapters in the New Testament every day. Read the footnotes. When you get to a new book in the Bible, read the introduction so you know what the big scheme is. So this is called the uh, Spirit, Life, Spirit Life Bible. Jack Hayford is the editor. It's great. It's very simple. It comes from a charismatic Pentecostal perspective, which is my heritage. So uh, I read that. It's good. I use it a lot. The notes are simple. It applies to anybody, even if you're not charismatic. It's good. So that's good. The other one, this is the one I use a lot. I love this. And this is a little, it's actually literally heavy. It's a little bit heavy. It's the, uh, it's the Reformation Study Bible, R.C. Uh, Sproul. It's got great notes in the footnotes. But there's, there's the Ryle Study Bible. There's the uh, you know, uh, NIV Study Bible. Go, go invest in a study Bible. Not tomorrow. Go to Amazon today and order a study Bible. You don't have a study Bible. And read the Bible that way this year. Because understanding is important. So that's an important thing. So let me just, uh, as I'm uh, focusing on this, let me, just, let me just give you a little bit of the vision for Bayshore about the Word. 1 Timothy 4.13. Here's what Paul told Timothy. Told Timothy. Timothy was the, uh, the mentor E of the Apostle Paul. He was in Ephesus. And Paul told Timothy when he wrote him, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. So here's what our vision is. Our vision is to devote ourselves, to commit ourselves as a church, to be a church in our community that teaches the Bible so we can know Jesus deeply and we can see our lives changed. Our lives are never going to change. My life is never going to change unless I am a person that loves the Word. So let me, re- let me read you a little story in the Old Testament of what I think our church should look like. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Here's what it says, Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 through 8. Uh, this is after the walls. Remember, the walls were torn down by the Babylonians, and the children of Israel were in captivity, and they came back, and they got to rebuild the walls and the temple in, the, in, the, in Jerusalem. And, and, and after it's all over with, they have this service. And here's what it says. And, and this is going to be, I'm reading eight verses to you. And then uh, I'll tell you what I see in this chapter that applies to us. 
Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 8, and there's some big names in here that we're going to just kind of like slide through, okay? Uh, number uh, Verse 1, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud. Listen to this. He read it aloud. He read it aloud, out loud, from daybreak till noon, as he faced the square before the water gate. That's the first thing we're going to do. I'm going to start preaching six hours every Sunday. That's the newest thing we're going to be adding. There's a little nervous laughter there. That was a... That was a joke. He read it. Listen to that. Just take that in. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. Listen to this. And all the people listened attentively. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood. Now listen to these names. Just like we'll call him M, uh, Matita, Shema, Anaiha, Uriah, Eliaka, Bob, John, James, Makila, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Look, look at this. Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened the book, the people stood up. Don't miss that. As he opened the book, people stood up. So when they, when they opened the Bible, when he opened the law, people stood up. Have you ever been in a courtroom where the judge comes in and everybody stands up? It's because you recognize the authority of that judge. So in some church traditions, when the Bible is open, people literally stand up. To honor the word. And so we, we may not do that physically all the time, but we should honor the book. And it says, listen, say it with me. Uh, Ezra opened the book. One more time. Ezra opened the book. And as he opened the book, the people stood up. So lift your hands just for a moment. Say, Lord, I respect your word. I honor your word. I love your word. So they stood up and they honored the word. And then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then a bunch of long names again, uh, the Levites and Joshua. And we're going to skip that. And then we're going to go down to verse 8. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people could understand what was, being, what was being read. That passage captures what we want to do in our church. We want to make the word clear. We want to make it clear. We want to preach the Bible, and we hear this. Uh, it's a wonderful compliment to our church is that, is that we try to make the word understandable so people understand it. A brilliant person can take something complicated and make it simple. Einstein used to stand in the back of uh, some of those classrooms at Princeton, and they would, uh, you know, be some professor up there, 
you know, talking about physics and, and real complicated stuff, and everybody's got headaches. And then Einstein would walk up to the front of the classroom after the, after the teacher was done. He said, I think what he was trying to say, and he would just simply explain what it meant. So what we want to do at our, at our church, we want to make the word clear and understandable, and we want to provide application so that you, have, you can apply that to your life. Because the Bible is not just about understanding. It's not about information. It's about transformation. Say that the Bible is not about information, but, by, but, by, but about transformation. So it says in this text that, that they said to, they said to uh, Ezra, bring out the law. The people, that the people suggested, the people had a hunger for the word. And they listened to attentive, attentively to the word. So we want to be a church that cultivates an environment where people are hungry and passionate for Scripture, that they love the Bible, that they let the, the Bible rattle their cage, they let the Bible produce their worldview. I read all kinds of secular books. I go to movies. I am a very uh, in, engaged person with secular, uh, with our culture. I am, you know, edu- most of my degrees are uh, from secular universities. So I understand the secular world. But what determines my worldview is the book that I read every day, and that's the Bible. So I want the Bible to, to just help me to see the world through God's lens. What is the value of life? What is, what is important in life? How should I treat other people? How should my attitude be toward people that don't treat me well? And I want the Bible to transform me. I want it to renew my mind so I become a different kind of person. It says they, they listen attentively to the, to the law as Ezra read it. And for six hours under the hot beating sun in Jerusalem, the newly built walls all around them, they stood up and they listened. They listened to the word. They were hungry for the word. A couple of weeks ago, Karen said that during the uh, teaching part of the service, uh, there was a lady, I think it was in the second service. She used, the, she used the restroom. She went to the restroom. And Karen said she was at the information center working with some of the other volunteers on the host team. And she said that uh, she saw this woman come out of the bathroom, run across the foyer. This is a dignified woman. I know who she is. A nice dressed woman. She's running across the foyer. And Karen said to her, Karen said, what are you running for? And she says, I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss the word. Let me just, let me just ask the Lord as we begin 2019, that there'll be a, a great hunger for God's word in our church. The people said in this text, they said, bring out the word, bring out the law. Would you lift your hands a moment and say, Lord, produce in me a hunger for your word, a passion for your word. And I believe he's going to do that in you. So when we look at what our vision is for Bayshore, one of the primary visions of Bayshore is this. Primary vision of Bayshore is to teach the word so people can know Jesus deeper and their lives can be changed. To teach the word so people can know Jesus deeper and their lives can be changed.
Now, people aren't reading the Bible very much anymore. And uh, people in the church are drifting away reading the Bible. And some of you today are going to go out and get a, you're going to get a, uh, a study Bible. You're going to work on that. You're going to become more studious this year. You're going to be a reader. You're going to learn. But here's, what, uh, here's what's interesting. Even though people aren't reading the Bible, there is a hunger for the Bible. And I'm going to read this quote to you here. It's very interesting. It says that, uh, that 60, uh, no, no, excuse me, 85%, 85% of people inside the church, 85% of people inside the church want help in understanding the Bible. They want help in understanding the Bible. Because here's what I know and what I believe. I believe that people out there uh, that I'm talking to this morning, wonderful people, you're here this morning because you love Jesus, you, you love the Lord, the Holy Spirit's working in your life, and, and you're struggling reading the Bible, and, and, but you want to read the Bible. So 85%, according to one study by LifeWay Research, says that 85% of the people in the churches want help in understanding the Bible. So what I'm doing is I'm shifting my teaching, my ministry, to be more focused in helping people understand the Bible with application and how it becomes relevant to your life. Because we want to we do better with understanding the Bible. So I was, uh, was hanging out with my granddaughter, Willa, this week, and she, uh, she came over, and she's, she, we, she always comes every Wednesday night to Karen and I's house, and we have a wonderful time with her. She's so smart. She's nine years old. She goes to uh, Lord Baltimore School in uh, Ocean View, and we just love Willow. She's incredible. She's an amazing little girl. And uh, so she comes in, and she's, uh, every, each of my grandkids are different. They have little different gifts. And Willow is definitely an intellectual. And so she came in, and she said to me, she said, Papa, do you know why sloths don't move much? I said, well, Willow, to be honest with you, I don't know why sloths don't move much. I just, I thought they didn't move much because they were called sloths. I don't know. And she said, well, Papa, are you going to help me write my report tonight? You're going to help me to write my report tonight. So I said, uh, okay. And so she had me on the computer. I'm printing out pictures of sloths for her hanging in trees for her to put in a report. And she's explaining to me all the little things about sloths as we go along. And she said, well, let me tell you why sloths don't move very much. And she said they sleep like 18 hours a day. And they're always sleeping. And they have no energy. And she said, you know why sloths don't move very much, Papa? It's because scientists have discovered that sloths don't eat very much. And when they do eat, they don't eat things that have enough protein in it. So consequently, sloths are sloths. I said, well, Willa, you, could, uh, you, you taught me something, and she told me all this stuff about sloths. And I got thinking about sloths, and I got thinking about times in my life where my spiritual energy was low, and I was depressed, and I was sad, and I didn't have much spiritual energy. And almost every time that that was my state, I wasn't eating much. I wasn't feeding on God's word like I needed to. And I was a sloth spiritually because I wasn't taking in the wonderful word of God. I wasn't taking it in. Jesus was 
told this by the devil. The devil said, hey, command these stones to be made into bread. And Jesus said, man does not live. The word live there is zoe. Man does not have spiritual life energy in him except from the word from the mouth of God. So this year, we want to be a church that teaches the Bible for life change and for knowing Jesus better. So say this with me as we get ready to pray. Say this with me. Uh, We believe the Bible is inspired by God. It can help us to know Jesus better. And it can change our life. So lift up your hands this morning and invite the Holy Spirit to do a fresh work in your life reading the Word this year, that you read the Word effectively and powerfully, and that we change the trend in America, that we change the trend in Sussex County and the Eastern Shore. So Father God, we thank you, God, for filling us with your Word this year. We thank you for every Sunday being a feast, not because of me, not because of whoever's speaking on the stage, but it becomes a feast because your word is lifted up to honor Jesus. So we pray that you would change our lives through the teaching of your word and through us reading the word each and every day as we leave this place. So we pray you'll bless us this week, help us this week, help many, many people to start reading the gospel of Mark this week. Let people, let hundreds of people from Bayshore this weekend decide to start reading this, this week. And we pray that you'll begin to change us and bless us through the study of your word. And everybody said... Amen and amen. We love you guys. Give the Lord a big praise offering. You love the Lord.